Welcome to It's All Journalism. I'm Nicola Grisco. I'm here with another podcast about digital media. And you might ask, why are you hearing Nicole's voice over Mike O'Connell's voice? But Mike is here. There's been a coup. Hi, Mike. Hello. We're turning the tables a little bit here today. It's an episode of Freaky Friday, as we suggested before we turned on the mics. And I'm interviewing Mike about his recent trip to Tajikistan, which is just a pretty incredible sentence to say yeah. on its own. Yeah, and it was a pretty incredible, the, the whole process and, and the whole experience was pretty incredible. And so you and I were speaking, because we need to over-explain everything, about how we were going to present this and everything. And mm -hmm. it just, it, you know, it was turning into just me talking. And I thought it would be better if uh, maybe we had a conversation about it. So, yes, I went to Tajikistan to teach young journalists how to podcast. So how, my first question is how, <laughs> how did this come about? Well, it, it was kind of weird. I, uh, I was coming, it was actually back when I, in April, when I was coming back from uh, Las Vegas from the Broadcast Educators Association, I was getting off the plane and there was this really weird email in my, in my email box when I turned on the phone from the State Department asking me if I'd be willing to go to Tajikistan. And it seemed like a really crazy email. At first, I, I wasn't too sure if it was real or not. But uh, with a couple of follow-up emails, it turned out to be very real. The person who reached out to me was uh, Sarah Martinez Nelson, who is in the, a foreign affairs officer in the U.S. speaker program at the State Department here in D.C. She had seen that I'd done some trainings, podcast trainings, and that I had uh, taught a class at American University. And she was just wondering if, we, uh, you know, they'd had a reach out from the embassy in Tajikistan. They wanted to have somebody come and uh, teach podcasting. So that's kind of the the, the what. And the how was, you know, they flew me out there. It was a 12-day trip. I was in country for nine days, traveling from the capital, Dushanbe, in Tajikistan, over to Hujan in the north, uh, over to Isfahara, back to Dushanbe, and then uh, over to Bakhtar, where the university or the state university of Bakhtar uh, was. So I saw a lot of the country traveling in a car with... Jeff Ridenour, who is the, it was the information officer there at the embassy, and it was actually kind of his idea, and we're going to have a little interview with him that we're going to play in a little bit. He was actually the one who came up with the idea. Uh, he's a huge podcasting fan, not a, not a fan of our podcast particularly, but he, well, uh, he, he will be soon. He will be soon. He thought that this would be a good thing to do, and I think that he turned out to be correct. So two-part question here. One, what is Tajikistan like? And then two, I mean, the State Department is involved here. So usually there's some kind of message that you as an American podcaster most likely would be bringing to this country. So can you talk about that a little bit? Let me answer the second question first. One of the things I was really kind of concerned about at the beginning was, you know, why I was going there. You know, this wasn't, despite the fact that it was the U.S. government, it's the State Department, it, it wasn't really, I'm, I'm there to, you know, change the hearts and minds. I'm here to deliver some sort of political message. Actually, I went there as a journalist, sort of promoting the things that all journalists want to promote, which is free speech, press freedom. And that's something that they don't have in Tajikistan. It's a country that I think very few people know much about. It has a very rich history, thousands of years old. The Tajiks identify themselves with Persian culture, like Iran and Iraq. 
uh, following uh, the breakup of the Soviet Union, Tajikistan got its independence, but 25 years ago they had a civil war. And out of the civil war, their current president emerged as their leader. And he, he was elected, but it basically he's become president for life. It has a lot of press challenges, free speech challenges. The big one is it's against the law to criticize the president. And so, you know, going to a country like that, you know, I, I was sort of wondering, well, what, what am I going to be able to teach? What information can I give them that are going to help them to sort of secure some press freedom? That being said, that they had a lot of challenges politically. They also had a lot of challenges technologically. The Internet, while there, you, you can get Internet in the country, it is uh, slow and it is very expensive. Not everybody has access to it. I did receive Slack messages from you while you were there. Yes. So. <laughs> well, Slack worked fine, actually. <laughs> and, and instant messaging worked fine as well. And, of course, I got, you know, emails. So it's not it's not like it's off the planet. But for the average person in Tajikistan, it's, it's very expensive to get good Internet coverage. So you're know, going there to teach some people how to podcast, you know, what are the chances of them being able to, you know, an audience to be able to download content, to be able to you know, you know, post content online for other people to hear. Those were kind of a lot of the technological questions that I had. So what was your perception of the young people that you were working with and teaching? I mean, what kinds of questions did they have for you when you were there? It was really kind of uh, fascinating, the, the questions I got, because I was both there as a, a podcaster and podcast teacher, but also as an American journalist. And they had a lot of questions for me about what it was like to be a journalist in the United States and the thing that surprised me the most was the question I got asked more than any other, any other was, is it dangerous to be a journalist in the United States? And I think that's kind of reflective of the situation there in, in Tajikistan. While I was there, there was a comedian who was on trial for things that were said at a, a you know comedy show that he had put on. It was not even something necessarily that he had said, but... You know, he was associated with it, so he was wow. arrested on some other charges, but it really was you know, remarks made about, about the government. And then there was also a Tajik journalist who had been at some conference in Europe and had said something or had been interviewed about something. And there was a big, you know, big question mark as to whether he was going to be able to make it back into the country. So, you know, there were kind of two sorts of sets of young people are speaking to those who had some journalism experience or had aspirations to go into journalism and others who were just kind of sort of interested in it, but not really seriously. Some of those were younger sort of high school students, but some of the the people that I was talking to were college students and, and some either had already started internships at news outlets. So they had some perceptions about what it's like to work in newsrooms there. The, the other thing is about their media structure there is they have a very large government-sponsored media. A lot of the information that, that the populace is getting is, is basically state-produced information. There is an independent press, but there are sort of economic challenges it, it sort of faces, and with the laws in place that sort of make it difficult for them to talk about certain types of issues without fear of sort of either economic or you know, being thrown into jail for, for some sort of, sort of situation. So did the, the students and the journalists that you talked to, I mean, did they have an opinion of their state of media? And did they have an opinion of the state of media that you described for them here in the U.S.? We didn't, you know. Or did they share those with you? They generally didn't. There were a couple of groups that were, 
you know, college students who were, you know, either had aspirations to be journalists or were more interested in learning lots of different types of languages. They wanted to go be able to leave Tajikistan and find a job somewhere else. That's another cultural thing that about the country is that about a tenth of its population actually lives and works in, in Russia because the, you know, that's where they can find money uh, that they can send back to, to their people back home. There's a large, you know, Tajik population that's outside of the country itself for economic reasons and are actually facing some challenges and prejudice in Russia because they're different. You know, it's things that we see, you know, maybe to certain degrees in other parts of the world. You know, the, those who were, who were really into journalism were really into journalism. They they saw opportunities for them to, you know, try to make a difference. Uh, the one group that I spoke to, there was a journalist who had come through last year and had trained them in, in multimedia, and they had done all these projects about issues that they, they found really important, you know, like, you know, domestic violence. And these are things that they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily seeing in their local media, but they realize that journalism, good journalism has the opportunity to create content that, that can make change. And I think that's what they were most interested in doing. And then for me, as, as the process went on, I began to realize that podcasting was, yeah, an ideal platform them, platform them to use because it's very personal, low barrier of entry, doesn't take a whole lot to sort of master technologically. There's not a, you don't have to create a whole business to, to promote a podcast, to, to create a podcast and grow an audience. So I think there was a lot of appeal, appeal for it for some of the students. Before we get to some of the audio that you collected and brought back, one more question. You know, having been away from the trip for a couple of weeks now, did you see any parallels between, you know, what they have going on, the young people that are involved in journalism in Tajikistan and, you know, what we have going on back here? You've kind of hinted at it a little bit, you know, the storytelling <laughs> aspect, you know, the the desire to make a difference and all of that. But, I mean, it seems like there are a lot of differences between our country and their country, but at the same time, there might be some similarities as well. I'm going to answer this in a couple of different ways. Do you ever see the movie Planet of the Apes? Mm-hmm. Okay, the original one? Yes. The great thing about that movie is for the first half of the movie, Charlton Heston talks about how much he hates humanity and how much he, he, he hated humanity so much he went into space and left Earth behind because people sucked. And then he went to a planet where it was the complete opposite and he had to spend the rest of the movie defending humanity. So I don't want to get into a situation like Roseanne Barr when I'm calling... Uh, another country, Planet of the Apes, or something like that. But it was, you know, a different culture. It was a very different culture. I was there as a guest, so I don't, I, you know, while I was there, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't express any huge judgments about what sure. I was, what I was seeing and what I was dealing with. Coming back here and sort of seeing what's been going on in the United States in the last, certainly in the last few weeks, things have been pretty, pretty interesting. But I was in a real dictatorship. There's just no two ways about it. I was in a real dictatorship, country is run by, you know, the president and his family. There's this, you know, I posted some video on my Facebook page of, you know, us traveling this really great highway through the mountains to get from Dushanbe to, to Hujan. That highway was built by the Chinese. The Chinese control half of the debt of Tajikistan. It's a poor country. As soon as that road was finished, one of uh, the president's relatives came in and he put up toll booths on this main road from the north to the south. 
uh, to collect money ostensibly to, you know, pay for repairs, but to collect money nonetheless. So, and, and apparently that's a lot of the, the, the situation, you know, that it's, it's a country that is facing challenges that are very different. But, you know, what, what it speaks to is the importance of free speech. You know, I was talking to some people who, who, you know, they were living their lives. They, they were, they were generally pretty happy, but there were things in their lives that were controlled that they could not change. My last day there, I actually, I was interviewed by a, a journalist for a radio program there. And, you know, he kept trying to get me to, you know, answer questions about the government, my impressions of the, uh, mm. the government and everything. And, and, you know, again, I was a, I was a guest in the country. I wasn't going to sit there and, you know, and plus, you know, having been there only for a couple of weeks, I didn't know the whole situation. It would have been really, you know, I would have been a, a really poor person to have gone, gone in there and, and criticized or ordained to say that I understood everything about their, their country. Certainly to them, <laughs> apparently on my podcast, I'm willing to do that. But, you know, in talking to him about his experiences, you know, he'd, he'd been around before the revolution. So he, he kind of had dealt with uh, the Russian situation and he sort of, he talked a little bit about the challenges that he was facing in his concerns for the future. And, you know, one of the things that, that really kind of struck me or really left an impression on me is he talked about, he cared about what was going to happen to his children. And so, you know, you can get there on your high journalism horse and talk about and talk about, you know, you got to go in and you got to change everything. You've got to you've got to fight to the last breath to to get press freedom. And, you know, and I do believe that. But at the end of the day, when it's just you and your family, you you know, you have to make decisions about you and your family that maybe the things that you can change are, are maybe only so limited and you know, maybe the thing to do is to wait until the time is right to, to make that change. But, you know, you know, he was an older journalist. He was talking about what he, you know, what he was going to do next. And I think he was talking about you know, probably possibly leaving the country because that was the thing, the best thing for him and for his family. So yes, I have no false hope that podcasting is going to change the political landscape of uh, Tajikistan. But I do think it's a way for people to tell stories, to make change, to get their voice out there. And I think that's really kind of important. And it's sort of what I, what I said to before when we were doing these uh, podcasting classes and, and recordings, that once the students began hearing, you know, a podcast in their own language and they began to understand that they could have their own voice and that they could control that, that they didn't have to go through a network, they didn't have to get approval from somebody that they this was something that they could share their thoughts and their dreams and their ideas with, with other people, you know, that had a lot of power. So for me, for podcasting as a bottom up sort of journalism thing, I think it's a, strangely, I think it was a really, it's a really good fit for them, for young journalists. And, and so for me, that's the big positive thing I took out of it is that I, it was really kind of in dealing with the students and talking to the students and helping them to kind of find their voice and to, to become storytellers. I mean, for me, that's, that's hope that maybe there could be some sort of change at some level. All right. So what are we, would you bring back? What audio okay. are we going to hear? I think probably, uh, let's start with uh, my conversation with uh, Jeff Ridenour. He was the, uh, the media officer there. I spent a lot of time with him 
you know, he took me all over the country. He also sort of oversees the American spaces. You know, American spaces are things that the State Department sets up in a lot of the countries that, that they have embassies at. It's a place for people to go to find out more information about the U.S., to, you know, to access the Internet, to, to read some, you know, magazines and books, to go to lectures and, and presentations like, like the one that I gave. On my last evening there, I went over to Jeff's house and we sat down. We sort of talked about the experience. And so that's what this audio is. Tell me why you thought that bringing a podcaster to Tajikistan might be a good idea. Sure. I think that might require a little bit of uh, some background information for your listeners. So Tajikistan is an absolutely beautiful country. I do recommend it if you want to travel somewhere that's, you know, outside your typical travel books. But it is a, a country that um, I've been living in the last two years. So I'm the information officer, press attaché at the uh, U.S. Embassy here in Dushanbe. And among many things that we, that we work for, the, the various goals that the U.S. government has here in Tajikistan, um, one of them is to support the independent media and also to promote freedom of expression. And so Tajikistan is it's a young country. It's um, 26 years old. It was, you know, it was formed after the, Soviet, the breakup of the Soviet Union. It uh, is run by uh, a president who's, been, who's basically been president since the beginning. And while it, it's still trying to find its, its way, there are definitely things that it would allow for a more democratic uh, or better representation by the people. So just to give you context, the uh, Reporters Without Borders ranked Tajikistan 149th out of 180 countries yeah. in regards to press freedom index or world press freedom. So needless to say, there's plenty of room for improvement. Independent journalists, basically, they, there's a lot of self-censoring that goes on um, in the reports, the yearly reports that the State Department produces along, along human, human rights. We note that there are issues with um, journalists oftentimes having to leave the country. Past a new couple of years, there have been outlets that have closed due to various pressures, both economic and, and other pressures as well. We recognize that by having more plurality of voices, by allowing um, independent journalists to be able to express themselves, and not just independent journalists, but citizen journalists and, and youth as well, it's important for this, for this country to be able to find its voice and be able to try to find a way to communicate and work with the government and be able to talk with the government and, and, and find information they need to and disperse that information to the public. And so... Um, Podcasting is, a, is an easy way. It uh, democratizes uh, information and allows an easy way for people to say what they want to say and then being able to put that up on the Internet and being able to download it. And because Tajikistan is a, a fairly uh, – the culture is such that um, radio is really big, we thought that you know we might give it a try. We have a number of – we work in various programs throughout Tajikistan with uh, young reporters or people who are interested in journalism. And we've had a number of training sessions, and then we also work with them with our American spaces. And I probably should take a step yeah. back. I don't want to bore you too much or to well, be too, well, too much let's, detail. Let's work into that sure. for a second. You know, you know, it came out of the boot for me to mm -hmm. get an invitation to come to Tajikistan, a country that I may have heard of, but I, I didn't know where it was. Sure. I mean, you're, you're in Central Asia. You know, I kind of knew that it was a former, you know, Russian state. I didn't know what the I didn't know what the government system was. I didn't mm -hmm. know what the journalistic situation was. I, you know, one of the first places I went to was uh, Reporters Without Borders to sort of investigate what was going on. And I saw that there there were certain challenges that were going on here. Aside from the fact that I generally am a, a podcasting proselytizer, is is really podcasting 
really what, what's needed here. But that's something you seem to, to think was a, a good thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. As far as with the, the general journalism state in the country, the state-run media dominates dominates yeah. the media. Nevertheless, Tajiks usually look to state-run, have state-run media, or um, many Tajiks, it is a Persian-speaking country, so it's very similar to Dari or Farsi. It's called Tajik is the language. And they mainly have the state-run media in that language, but most Tajiks are also um, bilingual and, and they know Russian. So they use they have Russian language sources as well. Uh-huh. And so we see this as a way for the independent journalists and independent outlets that exist usually go in Tajik or Russian, regardless of language. We have noticed that oftentimes the old guard, the people who have been running the outlets for quite some time, you know, they continue with written newspapers or radio. And there are so many youth now that have cell phones. They're constantly having the smartphones that they're wanting to be able to access. They watch videos. And so it seemed that this would be a way to allow certain outlets or journalists or even individuals as well be able to have their own voice. Okay. Let me sort of insert a little context here. We, we sort of sure. skirted around the situation with the government in Tajikistan right. uh, with the president. When we said that the president has been president for 20 years. He technically is president for life. And also he, the, you know, some recent laws have been passed or a recent law has been passed that would you know, lower the, the age of the person who would, who would succeed him. And the, and the general thought is that that would be his son. And so what we have here, and, you know, these are words that you, you probably couldn't say, but that, you know, a de facto uh, dictatorship in which the government has, you know, state-controlled media, that the, the free press that is out there is restricted from criticizing the president. And so, therefore, it, you know, the, there are laws in place that, that sort of make it a chilling effect to criticize the government in general. And so, from a free press standpoint, it, it's a really a tough situation. So, for me, you know, when I, when I began to see what this situation was, and I, and I began to think about podcasting as being sort of this bottom-up type of mm-hmm. media that, well, you know, if, if people are listening to to radio and that people are, are using their phones a lot, then it is clear to me that there are opportunities here Definitely. for a type of journalism of the masses, you know. And I've been fortunate, you know, in, in the, the nine days that I've been here going across the country, talking to journalists and talking to uh, young journalists, but also students who had an interest in podcasting, that you know that they saw this maybe maybe this is a, a creative outlet at the very minimum, a way for them to to express themselves. But perhaps it could be a tool to you know present a, a different narrative sure. uh, than what, what's being presented by you know the the state media or you know the Russian press or other forces at play here. So we had the opportunity to. You know, I say we because, you know, I was the one who was going around and doing the presentations, but you, you accompanied me, and there was also an interpreter as there. As and they were a lot there. of fun. And it was a lot of fun. It, yeah, and, absolutely. And, and I saw a lot of things, and it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a wonderful country. You know, something people don't always think about. It's, it's a Muslim country, and 90% Muslim. How many people were here? Well, recently, actually, a couple of weeks ago, the ninth million person was born. Oh, excellent. But that's ninth million Tajiks. So there are a number of Tajiks. In fact, there are about a million Tajiks or so that are, are working abroad in, in la- as labor migrants. Right. And that's another thing. And so looking at this from a journalistic standpoint, you know, what does that mean? I mean, if you have nine million people here in the country, you have another million who are you know, working elsewhere but still are interested in the culture, you know, maybe there are stories – 
that, that can reach across borders. Maybe podcasting in its own little way can, can, can contribute to that. And, and you know, I, I always, whenever I go out and, and talk about podcasting, um, I always sort of appreciate when young people sort of get, get it. Uh, either they're listening to podcasts or when they start to see what the process is and, and the possibility, you know, is sort of a next stage blogging. You know, here's yeah. something that I can use to communicate with. Here's something that I can use to get my, you know, a message out. And, you know, maybe even something as, as basic. Well, here's something I could do to help enrich my, my resume to, to, to gain some new skills, to, to get a different type of job. You know, I don't, I don't want to come away think, you know, everybody thinking that, oh, yeah, podcasts are secure for everything. But I think, you know, certainly in Tajikistan, I think it's something that could work really well. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely another a tool in toolbox for the, especially the young journalists who, yeah. who don't always have the editorial voice that the older journalists have just of how the culture works. And they're not usually making those decisions. And I thought we saw that in a number of the presentations. Yeah. It was really cool watching these young journalists gather together and have a conversational GabFest style podcast. Right. That was really fun yeah and we kind of worked toward that and that was something that that we we, you know we were in uh a couple of days before i left and it was it was weird because the whole process of the nine days you know traveling around the country and talking to different groups we started out at one place and by the time we got to the end i think we came to, to sort of this realization that the most important thing was not necessarily that you know that they heard how americans were doing podcasts but i think the most important thing is they needed to hear tajiks on a podcast absolutely and so when we were in Bokhtar on saturday we did two podcasts one of which was actually in english it was for for english speakers and they were talking about you know how to improve your vocabulary and everything but then the other group they recorded a podcast in tajik and it was they decided that they wanted to do it as they wanted to do something different they didn't want to do a standard you know, interview podcasts, which is, which is what we've done in several different locations in Tajikistan. They wanted to have sort of a roundtable discussion. And so Parviz, who, who was our translator, and I, we held microphones. We you had my digital recorder. And we just started this, this conversation about, you know, what are you afraid of? Yeah. And it went from microphone to microphone to microphone. And it was just like a conversation. And you could see that, that they were very engaged with it. It wasn't just them nervously responding to a question. It was them responding to a comment, maybe a joke or something that somebody else said. And, and they responded back. And they began to understand that podcasting can be very powerful. It, can, it doesn't have to be you know, boring. It can be something that can be living and vital and a great, a great way to tell to reach a different type of audience. And what was also interesting, we actually played that podcast today to a small group of people who probably had never heard of what a podcast was. And they were, they were very interested. They heard these voices, voices they recognized. They knew they were there in their same language. It had some, you know, some music on the end in the beginning. And, and they, were really, they were really very interested in it. I think yeah. it has a lot of potential. Yeah, and that became, I think, for us, a really useful tool. Because I started out by playing podcasts from America, and I was trying to tell them, listen to you know, what it kind of sounded about. But the key was, you know, there are no real podcasts in Tajikistan. They don't hear their voices. And actually, I guess that was one of the things when we when we started this conversation about about me coming to Tajikistan is that there's just not a lot of content here. Sure. Audio content. Absolutely. Um, in, in, Tajik, in the Tajik voice. And so, you know, the fact that there these are young people, you know, it was like the a couple of days back, uh, one of the groups that we... We had here in Dushanbe who uh, were young journalists who, some of whom 
had already either had internships or sure. had, had been working at news in newsrooms. So they had kind of experienced, you know, this is a newsroom. This is kind of that structure. And then they hear they saw a different way of doing, you know, journalism. And I think they, you could see them responding to that. They're like, right. wait a second, you know, here's something, here's something I could maybe do to set myself apart to make it my own. I mean, so that's the other thing. I mean, the, you know, some of the, some of the people we were doing presentations to, it was very much this idea that, well, do I have to go to a network through a network? Do I have to, you sure. know, is there a certain sort of structure, but, you know, talking to people and explaining to them that, no, no, you can, you can do a, a podcast in your bedroom. You can, can be you, just you talking. There was a woman right. today at the open to the public, um, presentation we do who, who just asked well do i have to have a lot of people yeah. to do this can i do it by myself she said i think yeah yeah can i do it by myself and i said yes of course you can do it by yourself and so her, her face kind of lit up I, you know i think she had ideas going on in her head and i and i saw that a lot i mean right yeah. it's strange you know here's here's this, this american coming in and talking about this odd form of storytelling that you've never heard before you know for the most part most people here did not know podcasts but there were a few people who did. I, you know, there were some who came forward and said that they listened to like BBC podcasts for their English or something. Along yeah, those lines. but and, and there were some other. And apparently, there are Russian podcasts that they listen to, again. But but there are none in, in Tajik. And you know, that's one of the things I noticed. You know, this has been such an enriching trip in so many different ways. You know, for me, both as a podcast or both, but let's just say it's multiple things. It's not going to be both. <laughs> but for me, as a podcaster, for me as a journalist. But, you know, also for me as, as somebody, you know, meeting new people, experiencing a new country, I found that the Tajik people to be very warm, mm -hmm. to be very welcoming, to be very proud. They're proud of their culture. And their the, language, yeah, both. And their language. They, they, you know, this is a culture that's been around, despite the fact the country's been only around for how long? 26 years. 26 years. Right. The, the, the culture has gone, on, gone back thousands of years, back to before Alexander the Great. So, I mean, that's where they trace their history. So for them, they have an identity. And, you know, when I got off the plane and I met Parviz and, and we were talking for a little bit, Parviz was the, the translator, and I asked him, you know, what is it, what is it Tajik, Tajikistan is known for? Mm -hmm. And he sort of thought for a second, and he said Tajikistan is known for it. It's welcomeness, that it, hospitality. Hospitality. Yeah. It helps people. That it's it's the culture that helps other people. Yeah, they and actually have. Helps. Yeah, and they have so many. What one thing that most probably like, we talked about the language is they're yeah. they're poets. Yeah. And so there's this one famous. You can't you can't learn Tajik or talk with Tajiks without knowing something about the poets. And there's this one Tajik poet who has this line that everyone knows. It's basically. You know, hold your friend tight and never forget the hosp the goodness of the, of the Tajik hospitality. It's something that they're just incredibly proud of. So it's yeah, it's very very cool. Yeah, no, it's not something you, you think about. I mean, Americans who who know this is a country that, that people don't know probably anything about. Right. You know, it's an Arab country. I mean, we have these preconceptions of what an Arab country is. It's a secular nation, but it's you know, to be fair, there are reasons why that you know there's not a lot of showiness regarding its you know, the religion, the government doesn't particularly want a lot of the factions of, of what's the word I want to say? Well, they, want, they don't want foreign displays of, of, of religion because they have that your Tajik, you know, Sunni religion that's, that's kind of accepted, but foreign, foreign ways they think is, is an inlet for extremism. And so as an, so right. And, and, and what they say is a way to prevent extremism. They do put restrictions on, on certain types of religious practices. Right. 
I happen to be here in the middle of Ramadan, and I, right. and I see that there there are many people who are fasting through most of the day, which made it tough for us to get lunch sometimes. Sometimes, but yeah, I mean that's, that's okay. the least of <laughs> that's, that's exactly least of our concerns. And it's, it's funny, we're here during also the year that the president has declared it as the 2018 is the year of the tourism, tourism development and handicrafts. T- tourism development and handicrafts. So it's, if, if if you're looking for an interesting country to come to, I, I would I would highly recommend it's, this. Especially if you're into outdoor stuff. It's got everything. Yeah. No, the mountains are incredible if you're into hiking. We we met a group of bikers from Poland. Poland. Yeah, they're Poland. Who were who who had who were out for like two months, three yeah, three months. Exactly. So they were riding their bikes from Poland through Georgia through, you know, God um, knows where they were going. Yeah. It was a pr- it, it, I was, it, I was jealous, but yeah. yeah, well, you're, you're, you're a bike rider. So to kind of, to kind of wrap this up, you know, I, th- I think, you know, obviously for many different ways, this was really a successful trip for Absolutely. me. Mm-hmm. I came away feeling really positive about it. So how about you? What do you, what do you think of the, the future of well, podcasting in, uh, Tajikistan. Well, I think this was, it was definitely an important way to kind of plant seeds. And, and I think one thing I do want to say is that we're not here to try to, you know, change the culture. Something, it's something natural. Podcasting is something that you keep saying is something that anyone can do. There's a podcast in everyone, a podcaster in everyone, um, which you almost made me want to do some podcasts as, as an avid podcast yes. listener. But it's something that's incredibly natural. And so it's just basically giving people a realization what they can do. Because when you talk to the, the people, we did the podcast for the the participants, I mean, it was something so natural and easy for them to come up with, you know, a topic and to make the podcast. And so if we can, you know, keep up this energy, I mean, I think that the important thing is just, hey, this is out there. This exists. I think it was important to talk to journalist heads of, of the largest outlets to say, hey, this is a new trend that we're seeing in America. And, and it has a possibility to be relevant here. And then to show, you know, young, young journalists, hey, this is something that you can do if you want. Yeah. I think that in and of itself is a success. But I think what's also tell, telling is that there were people who made podcasts that heard other people's podcasts that were very interested. And so um, we'll definitely, in, with the, ver- through the various platforms that we have, specifically the, like the uh, American space where young people gather to you know, access free internet, um, do various platforms, it's definitely a place where they can go and make a podcast if they want. And I, and I fully expect the young Tajik journalists or, or even non-journalists, citizen journalists, so to speak, to, to be interested and to continue this fun way to, you know, as an alternative to radio, which can sometimes be hard yeah. for people to access. Yeah, and we should, we should talk a little bit about the American space before, before we go. Then that's, you know, we pretty much, I think it's everywhere I spoke was in there's, American about, space. There are just a few, just under 700 American spaces worldwide. They're oftentimes in universities and libraries that's sponsored by the State Department. And what their mission is, is to be a platform for us to be able to tell, basically tell America's story. What is America? What are our foreign policies? And at the same time, promote important objectives that we have in each individual countries. So, for example, here in Tajikistan, we have eight American spaces. And um, next July, next month, we're putting on a big STEM competition because we really are wanting to promote economic connectivity and innovation. And so we'll have a place for young uh, entrepreneurs and young people interested in science, technology, engineering, mathematics to come and show the kind of stuff that they've done. So in the same, it was the same place that we have journalism clubs that they can come and learn more about journalism and also podcasting thanks to, thanks to yeah. you. So that's kind of what, what they're there. They're, yeah, no, and one of the reasons I came here and wanted to be a part of this was I wanted to be a little bit of a flag waver for not necessarily the American government, but the American ideal, the, sure. the idea of freedom of the press, 
you know, the importance of it to, to a democracy and going to a country that, that has its challenges. And mm-hmm. we haven't even talked about their technological challenges as oh, yeah. well regarding sure. their Internet. But, you know, that aside, you know, recognizing that, you know, sometimes there, we feel in America, especially journalists, that there are tough times ahead of us or that we're experiencing bad times. But we have to remind ourselves sometimes that there are other, there are other countries in the world who are going through just as bad of times or maybe even worse. And it's important to, to bring forth the, the American ideal that, you know, of the First Amendment, of freedom of the press, of, of the watchdog role of the mm-hmm. government and how important that is. And for me, the other part of this, this trip was not just proselytizing about, about podcasting, but to talk, talking to journalists to learn about, a little bit about their struggle and their position but uh, you know, also to share the story of what you know what it means to have a free press in, in mm-hmm. America, and I don't I don't think there's any American who would argue that that's a uh, a left or a right issue. That's core to who we are, Absolutely. And, and the fact that we're able to to speak freely, you know, and because it was the First Amendment, it was the first thing that the founding fathers said was it was so important that they made it the First Amendment sure. that it was important. What's it, it's so important to our democracy that it that I wanted to share that with, with other people and, and to learn and talk to them about the challenges they're facing. So we really I appreciate, Yeah, we really appreciate you coming and doing that. It was, no, it was wonderful. No, no, it, was, it wasn't just about podcasting. It was also about journalism, so, which is, again, how, how the solving And that's what it's about. It's about journalism. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right, well, it's probably a good place for us to, uh, to wrap up. We're going to have some, some beer, and I'm going to have some Osh. Yeah, Oshipolov, which is, I think I mentioned to you, is on the UNESCO's World Cultural Heritage our intangible world cultural heritage <laughs> list. Sorry, that's, that's a mouthful. As well as a kortob, which is a yogurt-based dish. Okay. So yeah. Uh, the, you might want to podcast cuisine, something. <laughs> yeah. No. There's there's a whole there's a whole podcast in the uh, Tajik cuisine. It is it is quite good. I'm not going to complain about anything that I've eaten here, but it is it is definitely different than what normally Americans eat. But it's great, and I'm hoping to try some of their famous dish tonight. All right. I'll report back and let's get to it. Jeff, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for My making pleasure. this this life changing experience for me happen. Thank you for being a fan of podcasts and thinking that maybe this is a good thing that would happen to in Tajikistan. I'm I'm so pleased that I that I came here and got this opportunity, and I'm endlessly thankful to you for making that happen. And we were incredibly happy to have you. It was okay. a pleasure. Okay. Thank you so Thanks. much. That was my conversation with uh, Jeff Ridnour. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. We, we talked about a lot of the same things. I think we, we sort of touched on at the beginning here. Okay, the next uh, podcast I want to play you is a group of English-speaking Tajik students. You know, we, we sort of went back and forth about how we, how we were going to record podcasts and whether opportunities to record it in English. I went ahead and did that. But also, you know, if they wanted to speak in Tajik or Russian I posted some podcasts on our SoundCloud page. So if you if you follow us on that, you may have already heard these, but uh, this is the English spe- speakers group. Some of them are students with an interest in journalism, but others are just interested in learning different languages so they can become translators or some other type of business opportunity. Hello, my name is Farzona, and the n- name of our podcast is Learning English. Today we have our guest, Jomi Emomov. What are you doing? Well, uh, basically, you, you already told my name is Jomi. I'm from volunteering in American Space in Dushanbe. And by the way, learning English there, practicing my English language. So why do you want to l- learn English? 
Because hence I study national relations and English is considered one of the six languages of United Nations and by learning this language means you are opening a door of opportunities to yourself. And well, I accepted this perspective to myself and I think that this is, it's fun to learn English by the way. You're meeting, you can meet different people from different regions, different countries. So, while being a volunteer in American Corner, have you made many friends with internationals or with Americans? And tell us your experience from being a volunteer in American Corner. Uh, when I was volunteering in American Corner for almost half an one in and a year, we can say, well, I conducted different clubs, both within like a Tajik who learned English and those who already have been by exchange programs to U.S., like uh, I know a girl whose name is Farzona, and she she used to study in University of Kentucky, and with her teammates or classmates, we, we used to uh, interview, we used to speak in English, and then I made like different foreigner, how to say, native speakers of that language, in this case, English language. So that's cool. What about, uh, do you have any plans to go and study for any American universities or any country that are English speakers? Sure, I'm, I'm planning to start my master's degree in international political economy in American University of Central Asia oh. in Kyrgyz Republic, which is the language is also in English, and I feel myself comfortable in, in that. Oh, that's great. So... Why not the uh, United States and you want to go to Kyrgyzstan? So, Well, the idea is that everyone is going to U.S. and it's much more competitive. And U.S., United States of America is not elastic so that it could fit everyone there. Why Kyrgyzstan? Because I want to learn about Central Asia at first, not going to the high step and going to that, like, a start from first, then second, and then Central Asia, then Asian countries, then probably Western countries, and like that. So this is really cool. I like the idea that you want to do it step by step. So thank you so much for being today with us. And You're welcome. Today we had Jomi Momov hey. in the podcast Learning English. And my name is Farzona. Have a great day. Okay, and then this last thing I, I wanted to play is uh, an interview that I did while I was in Hujan, which is uh, in the northern part of Tajikistan. I had a chance to speak with a female journalist by the name of Gusal Makamova. She had told me about a story that she had worked on with her husband, but I, I had a chance to ask her a couple of questions about what it's like being a journalist in Hujan. So you asked me when you interviewed me for the article that you're writing in the radio show that you're doing, you asked if it was dangerous for journalists in America. Is it dangerous for journalists in, in Tajikistan? No, in general, no, because there are very few journalists now who write analytical articles that can cause problems. Generally, people now write news articles like some PR article where they're praising the government. They're praising different governmental structures, which does not lead to danger. But in terms of analysis, there are now very few journalists. We can count them by hand who are writing serious articles in Tajik media. 
There are independent media which tries to put out this kind of analytical article in their writings, but there are still other independent media which also use their PR articles in order to get some benefits from different structures, different governmental and commercial structures. Is it, it's for my final question, and I know my audience is going to be curious about this, is it difficult for being a, a woman journalist in, the, in Tajikistan? My answer will be yes, it is difficult to be a professional woman journalist in Tajikistan. The main reason is family-related. For example, in my family, my husband always tries to protect me, and he says, you shouldn't be involved in serious, serious professional journalism because we have three kids. There's a problem. I can do something to protect myself, but if something happens to you, I don't know what to do. That's why he tries to keep me away from this danger and to try to make me feel more secure. So for the time being, in Tajikistan, women, just because of these issues, try to protect themselves and to not be involved in professional journalism. So that is a lot of what uh, I experienced in Tajikistan. It was a pretty wild experience. Before I wrap up, though, I do want to uh, thank a few people. First, I want to thank Sarah Martinez Nelson, the Foreign Affairs Officers at the U.S. Speakers Program, for reaching out to me. Also, I want to thank uh, the Chargé Affairs at the U.S. Embassy in Dushanbe, Ken Covert. I had a nice conversation with him. He sort of explained what was going on in Tajikistan, why it was a, why the United States is there, and why it's important for them to get journalists to visit and share, you know, why it's important to have free speech and the freedoms that we have around the First Amendment. Jeff Ridenour, we had this long conversation, but thank you, thank you, Jeff. This was a great, great experience for me. Also, I wanted to thank Parviz Muborak Shavev. He's the media assistant and translator on the trip. Um, thank you for the patience uh, for uh, listening to this long podcast about this very wild, strange trip I went on. It was an opportunity for me to sort of recharge my batteries as a journalist, but also as a podcaster, but also, you know, to think again about it's all journalism and what we do here. And, you know, does it really matter if we have a conversation with somebody about, you know, how cool is this map? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it is sometimes because I think it's important for us to keep continuing this conversation about journalism and how important it is because, you know, this is a reminder that there are places that do not have the freedoms that we we have. And I think it's important that we, as journalists, take the work that we do very seriously and we continue to spread the message of free speech and freedom of the press. Next week, we're on to other things. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. Would you like to find out more about our podcast? Why not sign up for our email newsletter that comes out every week? Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to sign up. It takes a lot of people to put together an episode of It's All Journalism, and here they are. Nicole Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. 
Nicholas Hunter provided web support and research, and I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.